0: When Lana Del Rey burst onto the scene with the alt-girl anthem Video Games in 2011, the world was ready to welcome her and her melodic melancholy with open arms. Open arms and open pockets as we saw when Born to Die, her debut album, became the fifth highest-selling album of 2012 worldwide. Not bad for an artist that had been working on breaking through for years prior to when we met her as Lana. In fact, Lana had given it a valiant effort under her real name, Lizzie Grant, as well as the monikers May Jailer and my personal favorite, Sparkle Jump Rope Queen. Why she dropped the latter option, I'll never understand. On a personal level, Lana Del Rey's nostalgic aesthetic has always been slightly problematic. Petticoats and Baroque brooches are a little too reminiscent of police dogs in Brown versus Board of Education. Even Lana, who has been a symbol of all things Americana, has disassociated herself from too much American flag iconography in light of the Make America Great Again Brigade. But our question today is, how did Lana Del Rey become so cancelable? Well, as we're about to discover, we can put it down to a whole clusterfuck of messy, ill-informed, and downright ignorant mishaps and incidents from Del Rey. Welcome to Canceled. I'm your host, Cam, and this is the show where we look back at some of the biggest and most bizarre attempts to cancel people, corporations, and even countries. You may think the subjects of our very rigorous and academic study deserve public disdain. You may think it's all a gross injustice, but it doesn't matter, because all of them were judged in the court of public opinion and ultimately canceled. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back.
1: Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it.
0: I gotta say, for a woman that has been canceled more times than a 10-day free trial, Lana Del Rey fans still got a lot of love to give. For context, this is what the YouTube comment section tends to look like on most Lana Del Rey music videos. Quote, Honestly, Lana's voice is so beautiful. She could be singing vacuum cleaner instructions and I would cry. End quote. (laughs) Sheesh, her voice really is emotional, huh? Another quote, Bro, this woman is a legend. She really went out there and invented a brand new style, respect, end quote. Bro, legend status rewarded after a mere 10 years in the game, not bad going. Another quote, she makes me feel nostalgic for things I haven't even experienced, end quote. Well, this one is just a bit silly because child, what are you talking about? But high praise indeed. You get the picture. Since her debut release as Lana Del Rey in 2011, she has accumulated a loyal army-like following of superfans that stay by her side through thick and thin. They're so loyal, they even were happy to take on one of the internet's most prolific and ruthless trolls, Azalea Banks. That really is love. On second thought, I'd better keep a low profile on social media after this drops because to say we've got a few bones to pick with Del Rey today would be a slight understatement. Picture the scene. The year is 2011. We've lost Amy Winehouse, one of our most treasured musical greats, after her tumultuous relationship with the press. Katy Perry and Russell Brand have filed for divorce and our faith in mismatched transatlantic love stories is dashed. Charlie Sheen is all over the headlines after a very public breakdown and a string of erratic and alarming outbursts. And how could we possibly forget? Kim Kardashian filed for divorce after 72 days of marriage to Chris Humphries. You could look at all these events together and deduce that the facade of the celebrity was starting to show some cracks or perhaps the world was either ready for something brand new and refreshing or the world was ready to harken back to a simpler time. Cue Lana Del Rey. She was the perfect hybrid of these two ideas. Her song video game seemed to pop up out of nowhere, carrying with it a brand new star that seemed to view the world through gold-rimmed sepia-tinted glasses. Everything about Lana Del Rey captured the imagination of what I call the Tumblr crowd. The luscious Auburn blowout with an effortless quiff to boot. The twiggy esque doe-eyed gaze. That beautiful pout lip sinking to what would become one of the biggest songs of the year. To borrow from modern vernacular, you might argue that it was, to an extent, a cultural reset. Particularly for the specific brand of white girl that feels a little hard done by, a little misrepresented, a little in love with a bad boy. In the cultural sensitivity alphabet, A obviously stands for appropriation. In case you missed the memo, the appropriation of a culture speaks to the oh so common practice of cherry-picking or adopting elements of a culture that is not your own, often all in the name of fashion. See Kim Kardashian's silky mane being mercilessly manipulated into cornrows on the red carpet, or Justin Bieber's sandy blonde locks, or as they have been lovingly nicknamed, Grinch Fingers by the internet— these are two hairstyles that are often deemed as unprofessional and unacceptable by employers and society on a black person. Yet, when adopted by a white person, it's all pushing fashion boundaries and yes, queen work, etc, etc. I'd be lying if I said that our friend Lana hasn't dipped her toe into the world of appropriation. Starting with her stage name of choice, Lana Del Rey, just to remind you she was born Lizzie Grant told an interviewer that she and her sister were spending a lot of time in Miami and we have a lot of friends there from Cuba. And I knew that I wanted a name that sounded sort of exotic, that reminded me of the seaside and the Floridian coast and Lana Del Rey sounded beautiful. (laughs) Picking a surname because it sounds exotic isn't exactly the best idea white women has ever had, but perhaps we'd let it slide if the appropriation ended there. Del Rey visits Latin culture again like an enthusiastic tourist at a slightly naff gift shop when she essentially decides to cosplay as a Latina stripper in her short film Paradiso. Fans of Del Rey would argue here that she was paying homage to a craft and a culture. But if the goal was storytelling and representation, then surely the best person for the job would have been a Latina actor or better still, a Latina stripper with banging acting skills for ultimate accuracy, right? Let's look at her music video for Ride, released in 2012, from the iconic Born to Die album. Lana is doing her usual whimsical, carefree-slash-deeply-troubled performance, and around seven minutes into the video, we see her sitting on a motorbike, fireworks and firecrackers going off left, right, and center, pistol in hand, not entirely sure why, with a beautiful Native American headdress atop her gorgeous dew. An article in Tribal Trade states, for indigenous people of North America, a headdress like the one Lana is sporting is traditionally reserved for, quote, only those who were known as being admired and greatly respected from other members of the tribe would wear a headdress as its symbol represents bravery and honor. A distinguished community member such as the chief, a warrior, or a person being honored for something would wear the headdress, end quote. I can't speak on behalf of the indigenous peoples of North America but the chances of them regarding Lana Del Rey highly enough for this particular honor are likely to be painfully slim. I also do not love the juxtaposition of the signifiers of American culture. Motorbikes, Daisy Dukes, Jack Daniels and a whole lot of white skin versus the headdress. It seems to suggest some kind of cultural harmony in which the two can coexist. The truth being far from reality. Native Americans have suffered years of discrimination, displacement, and to an extent, ethnic cleansing at the hands of the USA. Not to mention the fact that it gave a whole generation of Coachella and Burning Man girls the green light to wear headdresses paired with a Jack Daniels vest, Daisy Duke shorts, and cowboy boots at any given opportunity, which on top of being culturally insensitive, it was just a pretty questionable fashion choice. I'm looking at you, Kendall Jenner. To give Lana her dues, she did remind us in 2020 that she continues to make personal reparations with the proceeds of her poetry books going to a Native American foundation. Let's talk about the incident that brought Lana Del Rey back into our consciousness and back onto our timelines. The 21st of May, 2020, when Lana Del Rey jumped on Instagram with what she titled a question for the culture. What followed felt less like a question and more like Lana Del Rey discrediting the hard work of a long list of majority women of color in the music industry. The first line of the question is, quote, Now that Doja Cat, Ariana, Camilla, Cardi B, Kehlani... Nicki Minaj and Beyonce have had number ones, with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, fucking, cheating, etc. Can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love even if the relationship is not perfect or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse?" End quote. With not one, not two, but six question marks to boot. <laughs> Talking about an attention-grabbing headline. What a way to kick off the question for the culture. Given that all but one of the women on the list are women of color, contrary to common belief, Miss Grande is of Italian heritage, the accusatory nature of Lana's post feels pretty loaded. Even the language used by Lana reeks of the age-old virgin versus whore debate. Terms like Fucking and cheating and no clothes were used to describe the actions of the women of color, whereas Lana and the women she sings for are given the words beautiful, embodied, glamorous. If you're asking me, Beyonce, Kehlani, etc. are some of the most beautiful, embodied, and glamorous women in the game. We have found ourselves in an era when black women and women of color are claiming their sexuality, WAP and all, and are being celebrated for it, both in the charts and in our hearts. DeRay goes on to say, quote, Let this be clear, I am not a feminist, but there has to be a place in feminism for women who look and act like me. End quote. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lana, but are you really telling us that there's no place for you? A beautiful, successful white woman in feminism, an institution that famously excluded and continues to exclude women of color? <laughs> You might also argue here that do Ray is looking to have her cake and eat it by somehow shunning feminism and asking for its inclusion in the same sentence.
1: You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host, created it, been doing it for seven years. What if you could become stronger, more resilient, cure disease, and all you have to do is get naked in the cold and breathe?
0: You get into ice water, and instead of, like, freaking out, you relax.
1: It's called the Wim Hof Method, and Gwyneth Paltrow and Justin Bieber love it.
0: I do the ice plunge because it's good for your body.
1: But there's also a dark side.
0: How many people have died doing the Wim Hof Method? We can override even death! Listen on the podcast Infamous. That's Infamous, playing now. Our trusty red flag pops up again when Lana claims that she represents, quote, the kind of women who say no, but men hear yes, end quote. By juxtaposing this with the perceived eternal strength of the women of color she's referenced, she is totally undermining these women's access to being multifaceted. Yes, Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj rap and sing about fucking and empowerment, but this does not mean that they have never had a run-in with a man that can't grasp consent. In fact, we all know that the statistics surrounding women of color and abuse are disproportionately higher than the statistics surrounding white women and abuse. The internet was quick to note that the timing of Lana Del Rey's call for justice for fragile white women was poorly timed to say the least. The online magazine Vulture even went so far as to say, quote, her timing was impeccable. That same week, the Amy Cooper scandal turned white women's fragility into a punchline, end quote. As you will no doubt remember, summer of 2020 was a time in which discussions around race, injustice, and inequality were at the forefront of social discourse more than ever, with the USA experiencing the largest demonstration since the civil rights movement. Oh, the irony, of course, is not lost on me that this is the era Del Rey looks back on so fondly in many of her music videos. The reaction to Lana Del Rey's controversial question for the culture was huge. On the day of recording this episode, her Instagram feed is still at almost 1.8 million likes. The reaction, as vast as it may be, has certainly garnered a divided opinion. Comments range from, This was a total serve, heart eyes emoji. And I don't see anything but facts here. Two, delete this bestie. And you could have made this post without shading other beautiful talented women. To Del credit, she isn't afraid of taking a minute to reflect and coming back on the timeline with an apology of sorts. By now, she's long in the tooth when it comes to online half-apologies and half-justifications. For example, when her fans called on her not to perform at a music festival in Israel, she responded with, quote, I believe music is universal and should be used to bring us together. Performing in Tel Aviv is not a political statement or a commitment to the politics there. Just like singing here in California doesn't mean my views are in alignment with my current government's opinions or sometimes inhuman actions." As beautiful as Lana's music is, I can't say I believe her music can necessarily undo over 50 years of conflict and bloodshed between Israel and Palestine. Lana did, however, listen to her fans eventually and canceled her performance at the festival. In response to the internet's critiques on her question for the culture she posted a follow-up post on instagram blaming super trump pence supporters or hyper liberals for turning her question into a race war further accusing her critics of not accepting that women can be beautiful strong and fragile at the same time more critique and potential cancellation came when she released the artwork of her latest album Chemtrails Over the Country Club, which features mostly white women posing happily in Del Rey's signature vintage aesthetic. The really weird bit is that Del Rey decided to employ a preemptive strike with a bizarre, now deleted caption. Quote I have always been extremely inclusive without even trying to. My best friends are rappers, my boyfriends have been rappers. My dearest friends have been from all over the place. So before you make comments again about a women of color slash people of color issue, I'm not the one storming the Capitol. I'm literally changing the world by putting my life and thoughts and love out there on the table 24-7. Respect it. End quote. (laughs) So much to unpack. So much to unpack. But a quick whistle-stop tour of fuckery in this caption goes as follows. Fuckery quote number one. Without even trying to. (laughs) Weird flex. Do you want a medal for inclusivity? Fuckery quote number two. My best friends are rappers. My boyfriends have been rappers. Hmm. Not entirely sure what rappers have to do with this discussion, but presumably rappers here are interchangeable with black people. And yes, she 100% did the, I have a black friend. Fuckery quote number three, I'm not the one storming the Capitol. Okay, you'll remember when hordes of Trump's most crazed and devoted supporters stormed the Capitol in January 2021. Frankly, Lana sounds a little childish here with the, hey, look over there, diversion tactic minimizing her own actions entirely. Fuckery quote number four, I'm literally changing the world. Okay, at this point, send help. I simply have no words. This, (laughs) in a time in which people of color and white allies were coming together to protest, campaign and rally for real lasting sustainable change to a system with racism so deeply entrenched, it felt almost impossible to make progress. This album, (laughs) this album was going to change the world and fuckery quote number five, respect it. (laughs) Two words, girl, bye, and breathe. It's a lot to take on board, but upon reflection, we can understand why the C word, canceled, (laughs) has been bandied around a lot when it comes to Lana Del Rey. If I were being generous, I'd be inclined to categorize Lana Del Rey as a white feminist. Then I remembered that she has been vocal about her sentiments against feminism, so that won't work. If I were being ruthless, I would suggest she embarks on one final name change to Karen Del Rey. The white fragility, the woe is me and my privileged lifestyle attitude, and the ability to be so wrong and strong despite heavy criticism, all leads to serious Karen vibes. As committed members of the Court of Public Opinion, I trust you will take on the evidence that has been presented to you today and decide whether or not Lana Do is canceled. Mm. This episode was written by Leah Davis. This is a Broccoli Production.